He is risen. Hallelujah. Hey, before we get started, I got a thing here. Sarah, your wife, wrote me a note. She said your son, uh, Lucas, caught some uh, geckos and something else, and he was bringing them over here to show Daddy, and I guess he fell down and dropped them. So if you could look under your seat for the gecko, just real, oh, I'm sorry, April Fool. <laughs> I know, I didn't get anybody with that, but because I'm like the worst April Fool's person ever, 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 ever. I told these two ladies beforehand that this is my day because I'm the biggest fool they ever meet. And they just kind of went like this. Yes, you are. <laughs> Made me feel real good, by the way. Thanks. Um, but I've always been, you know, a kid, I'd fall for something because I'd be that gullible. And then I'd go around like trying to do the same thing and be like, oh, there's something on your nose. Oh, April Fool. Oh, oh, well. And I, I just horrible things. But I do have to tell you, I did get pranked one time for April Fool's Day. True story. True story. In fact, someone out of early service came and said, I heard this story when I lived in Sundance, Wyoming. That's how famous this story was. So I was not known for studying when I grew up. Surprise, surprise. And so one time my couple buddies of mine were going to a movie and uh, they were really frustrated because like for the first time in my life I said no to something fun and I was going to study. So they went to the movie, and afterward they decided, you know, Steve's just an old crank, and we're going to do something about this. So they went by the house, went to my neighbor, a young lady named Barb, and said, can we hang out here? When he goes to bed, we're going to go into his apartment. Now you might think, how could they get into a locked apartment? Well, it was an old house, and her closet had a window that went out onto the roof, and my closet had a window that went out onto the roof that everybody knew really didn't lock. So sure enough, they crawled out, crawled into my apartment. So I'd gone to bed. I'm dead tired. Like I said, I'm not used to that whole thing called studying. I wasn't really sure what it was for a long time. And so I'm sleeping. My roommate's gone. He's up in uh, Dubois, probably hunting or something. And uh, I wake up, and I knew something was weird because I'm by myself, and the bedroom door shut, and I didn't normally shut the bedroom door, and I thought, well, this was weird. So I go over and puzzled about that, and I open the door, and I walk into the living area where is a kitchen, couch, stereo. It's empty. I mean, completely blank. Couches, cocktail table, even some cans of an adult beverage that we used to throw in behind the couch. I mean, everything is just gone. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. My stereo's gone. I've been robbed. And so I go over to the phone that's on the wall. Now, for those of you who have never seen that, it was called a landline. And so I go over to the wall to get that, and there, the phone was off the wall. I thought the creep stole my phone. And so I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I do? So I, I walk over to the door that opens into the shared hallway, and as I open the door, the couch falls literally on my face. This was not, I'm not bright, but this was not the work of thieves. <laughs> so I knew exactly who'd done this. So I called them up and they said, April Fools. I said, kill you guys. So I, again, I'm easily taken out. But April Fools, you know, it, it's today of all things. I think it's been like 23 years since Easter fell on April Fools Day and it's gonna be another six, interestingly enough, or seven before it does it again. But it's one of those days I'm kind of happy that it fell today because I think and I believe as the Bible presents to us this thing, it's like God's biggest laugh on death. 
that God is working such a wonderful thing. I know it probably didn't happen, but if there was April Fool's Day back in that day, I'd love it if that was the Sunday of April Fool's Day when Jesus burst out of the tomb. Because it just, in God's will, we've been praying about God's will and what he's doing. God's will has been to break death forever throughout the Old Testament. As the New Testament raises forth and Jesus comes, God has been preparing for this. And so as we think about this, you may not, or you may be like me, you're not really good at the whole April's Day, April Fool's Day stuff. But God, through this, as the Apostle Paul shares, just gives us a richness of just how wonderful it is. If you want to look at the readings, I've got them kind of sprinkled throughout in the bulletin here. But the whole April Fool's thing, I, you, you have to ask yourself, and the Apostle Paul asked this himself, are we dealing with an April Fool? Have we been fooled? Right? I mean, have you thought about this? What if this thing is, he's risen, he's risen indeed. What, what if it's just a bunch of bunk? Huh? I mean, have we been so trained as Christians not to ask the question? Are we afraid to ask the question? Are we afraid to look at that? The apostle Paul was not. The Lord worked through him and the Holy Spirit spoke and said these words exactly. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say? See, there were some among them who were saying there is no resurrection of the dead. They were kind of living in this world where Jesus is raised from the dead, but maybe we won't be raised. It kind of seems like the world we live in now where people kind of say, believe what you want, or you say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. Well, that's good truth for you. I believe in this. Well, that's good truth for you. It's like truth is this relative thing that's going on, which raises the question for us. Has Jesus been raised? So he says there's some who say that. So if there is no resurrection of the dead, he said, how about this? Then not even Jesus, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And, listen to this, he says, your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. Isn't that pretty strong? If we're saying Christ is our Savior and we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, therefore Jesus has been raised, we are misrepresenting God because we testified about that God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Huh? You with me? Are you thinking about this? I mean, is this all one big April fools? I mean, the whole thing may be fake news, right? I mean, they have, we have it these days, and we talked about it. We've been sucked into this. Have we been sucked into this idea? And the Apostle Paul wants to address this. He wants to ask the question, have we been drawn into this? And he uses, if you look to that uh, back in your bulletin, you'll see the word if is used like five times right there in that verses 12 to 15. If, if, if. Have we been sucked into this? Because as soon as he starts this part, he goes, listen, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He said, let's just deal with this. If we don't have a resurrection, if there's no life beyond this, if there's nothing, zip, zilch, zero, then we're just messing around. We're just playing with stuff. 
And so, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's going on there? Well, it's a good thing that the Bible gives us things that have been seen. This is one of the things I appreciate about the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament and we have the people and we have Moses and we have David. These are historical, actual, followable, not just in the Bible, but in historical, historical history books and places where people can say there was. Likewise, we have that with Jesus. As he's going along, we have eyewitnesses who not only claim but willing to die for it and say, I will not go against what I've said. This is what I saw. And so in terms of this whole resurrection thing, we have Jesus dealing with raising people from the dead even before his time. Now, you might be able to do away with the first one. You'll say, how about the young daughter of Jairus? This young lady, this girl, where this man comes to Jesus pleading, and seeking the heart to say, my daughter is sick. Now, those of you who are dads of daughters, I think you can understand this. You know how little girls are. They've got you around their little, you do anything for them. And when they're sick, it kills you. I had boys, I just say, throw them in the tub, see what happens, and it'll fine. But he comes pleading with Jesus, and then he gets word that she died. I know some of you have experienced deaths, maybe deaths of children, deaths of parents, a brother or sister. Probably one of the hard things, but also the thing you come here for is to be reminded about this whole life and death issue. And for him, it was just, he was in the middle of it. He was literally dying inside because he had lost his whole world, and Jesus raises her from the dead. And the Bible gives us the place, the persons, and the time and says, there it was. And people could say, yep, saw that. Get a little bit closer is that, uh, you know, that was kind of one of those she died and, and, you know, someone could say, well, maybe he just revived her. He gave her a little special CPR or something. But then you get the, the woman who had lost her only son. She was a widow. And she's walking out of town. I always think Jesus would have been the people's favorite. Anytime there was a party, it seems like Jesus was in the middle of every party. He was the party maker. His first, remember, his, his first miracle was turning water into wine. Best party ever. But never invite him to a funeral because he messes things up. They're walking out of town. They've had all the things. They've had the grief. They've had the food. All that stuff gathered. They're simply going out of town. Here's the widow walking next to her son. Now, can you imagine you've lost your husband, the son that you had, who you've cared for all your life, is a young man who's now going to care for you the rest of your life. Now, I don't know if you ever read this book. This book brings my wife to tears. I'm too tough to cry. Uh, it's called I'll Love You Forever. And throughout there, his, she, she hold his, uh, is rocking him. She says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And in the book, it has him holding his frail dear mother. Who, and he says to her, I'll love you forever. I'll, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. That relationship that she lost. 
Jesus is just gutsy enough to mess things up. I mean, they're walking out of town. What do you do when there's a funeral coming? I mean, in Texas, we all know what to do. If there's a funeral coming, you pull to the side, right? You get out of the way, you respect and honor those. I mean, doesn't Jesus understand this? You grieve with the mother, but he doesn't do that. He says, whoop. People are going, hey, 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 no. And he acts like he's not even dead. He's been gone a while by now. I mean, this is not magical CPR. This is not getting out the paddles. This is a guy laying on his burial pier, and he stops him, and he messes up the funeral. He sits up, and evidently he's a chatty guy because he immediately starts talking. dead raised to life? Don't you imagine the stories that went there with that? And then when you think, okay, well that still, he wasn't buried, buried, buried. He gets word about his good friend Lazarus. Now, again, Jesus just doesn't seem to get protocol. When your friend gets sick, you show up, you go, you go and help. And he seems to be hanging out longer saying, we'll get there in a bit. Slows up the whole thing and then his disciples are like, Jesus, we should have hurried. Let's go, let's go. He says, it's okay. He's gone anyway. They didn't quite get it how he put it. They did when they got closer and his sisters began to meet him outside and say, where were you? If you'd have been here. Because that's how Jesus is, right? He can heal people that far gone. But if you'd have been here, but it's a little late now because we've already had the funeral. We already put him in the grave. And Jesus, again, doesn't quite understand things. You don't open tombs where stinky bodies lay. You don't open tombs where we've already allowed and put the dead to lie. You leave them be, right? And Jesus hollers out after crying, which again, not a real God thing to be crying in front of a tomb, it seems, but he cries and then he calls out Lazarus and says, come out. And Lazarus comes out with all the burial cloths still hanging on him. Now you might think, so are they sure? I mean, but is, was this some game? Was, what, what's going on here? Is this some sort of fake news? But the problem is, is it was so real that the people who hated Jesus, the people who wanted to shut him down, said not only do we need to kill Jesus, but if you go to John chapter 12, it says they were plotting to go back and re-kill Lazarus. Put him in there for good. Because when Jesus shows up, people come alive. So, you know, you have to start asking yourself, you know, fool me once. You know, you've said that before, right? Have you ever used that phrase? Someone does something. Fool me once, shame on. Fool me twice, shame on. Oh, come on. Fool me twice, shame on. Yeah. I know better. I know better. I fooled my wife once. She married me. Since then, she doesn't believe a thing. No. But you know, you learn. You learn not to get sucked in because we've seen that stuff. We've gone online, we've shared stuff saying, hey, you won't believe this, you know? Look at this, this is what's going on. And then somebody comes on and goes, uh, sorry, but that's not true. 
how do I get this off of here? We've been told things and we've shared it as though it was the bold truth and then it comes back. You know, fool me once, shame on you. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You're still stuck. I mean, here's the problem. This promise that comes says that there's something new, something different. If that is not the case, the world as you see it, that's as good as it gets. People killing people over borders. People who seem to be related to one another not caring. Families getting together over the weekend and two deaths come out of that. Buses run out and off the road by drunks. People who are seeing them themselves and hearing from the doctor, you got no shot. Things that happen is there is no better thing coming. So shame on you if you're telling me that this is the case and it's not true that Christ has overcome sin and death and hell and pain and hurt. But fool me twice, shame on me if I'm still kind of holding on to that saying maybe. But Paul says, listen to this, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. Now, you can do a lot of things with me. You can call me things. You can say you're not as smart as you think, which I don't think that's smart, but you may think even lower. But this is the one thing I don't want to be. I don't want to be pitied. Don't pity me. So when Paul says this, if you have hope in Christ for this life only, pitiful. Pitiful. So it's April Fool's. And God shows up and says, what are you leaning on? Shame on, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And then I run across this and thinking about foolishness. It's a guy by the name of Otto Ban Bismarck. He was an old German first, uh, first World War guy. He says this, when you want to fool the world, tell the truth. <laughs> Don't you love that one? When you want to fool the world, tell the truth. See, this is what it all comes down to. Paul is raising and putting this out there and saying, look at this. If the dead are not raised, we're in a bad shape. But remember, the, the little girl in Nain, uh, the, 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 the young man who got raised from the dead, Lazarus, and then Jesus. I mean, this was not just done in the corner and people go, hey, I wonder what happened with him. People saw him alive. People, it says, by names and then by the thousands. If it grew so large that even in the, in the state of Rome, back in the Caesar's palace, someone said, what is all the noise going on back in Jerusalem? And they said, it has to do with this Jesus who is, now they didn't say was, but they said, who is supposed to have risen from the dead. It was marching around the world because people had seen and looked. And so now the truth is out there. But if you want to fool the world, tell the truth. This is what went on and people still say, don't believe it. Don't want it. Don't want to see it. And so with this, Otto von Bismarck, von Bismarck reminds me that when you come into Easter Sunday and we begin to speak the truth, the world isn't necessarily going to roll up and say, oh, thank you, we finally found it. Sometimes the very truth just rolls off people because it just seems unbelievable. But that's what God does on Easter. He does the unbelievable. And the Apostle Paul says it this way, but in fact, 
Christ has been raised. No word if in here anymore, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That is, he's burst from death to life, and he looks at you and me and says, listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've seen, I'm bursting through that problem. I'm bursting through death. I'm bursting through all these things. Even the last thing that can have a handle on you is done, done, done. And I'm thinking about that Easter morning, the first one. I just would love if it would have been April 1st because it just would just make it so cool. But I don't know. But I do think this is what happened is that when the noise came from the tomb rolling open and Jesus stepped up out of the grave, that he rolled up and somebody looked at him and said, hey, you were dead. And he goes, hey, April Fool's. <laughs> and I think heaven just rolled out with him because God said, I told you so. And the April Fool of all time that death has control over us, it has command over us, it drives us, that God said, no way, no way. For Christ has been risen from the dead. That's our future. That's our life. That's our confidence. In fact, Christ has been raised. And from those, because we're the first fruits to burst through that, means no matter where we go, no matter who we are, we've got the greatest, even if you're a poor April Fool's guy, we still have the best April Fool's, not joke, but statement of all time. Death can't get you. April Fool, because Jesus survived, thrived, and was risen so that we have life forever. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you. You are a God of laughter, and I, I do think some ways we're going to find out how you laughed over death. You laughed over those who said it can't be done. You laughed over the thought that you couldn't take over uh, death. And even in 1 Peter, you, you tell us about how you went through and crushed it. And you spoke to, told Satan it was over. April Fool's, death is gone. Thank you for saving us for Jesus' sake and his life. Amen.